I'm recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sun and the Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. It is the conclusion of our 80s. Yeah, they're very. I, I, I didn't. I hesitate to say the word summer season there as we're we're in the first week of October. Yeah, because we kind of build it as like the big like summer sequel spectacular. Exactly. We spend the whole summer talking about films from a certain decade. Well, we try. Yeah, then a lot of shit got in the way this year. Life finds a way. Mm. <laughs> so today is. Possibly the most random mixture of movies. Ah, I don't believe fuck yeah, I any other podcast has double billed. Is it Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yeah. With Godzilla versus Biolante. I know I've watched it, but I still can't pronounce the fucking name of the monster. Uh, and when I googled how to pronounce it, well, like, what is this? It's like, oh no, it's just a word they made up to name that monster. Biolante. Two very film, two very different films from 1989. Uh, quick film quiz. Yeah, uh, you won it the last. You've been two for two. I know. Fucking animation. See, that is the final stat. This is all there is. This is the left. final stat. Right. It's not good. I'd like ten, you. ten classics there. Mind you, right? That's probably enough to do us end the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and then we can always just pick up a an updated one. Yeah, for next year. Yeah, because that's it. What is it? It's four categories: comedy, animation, action, and classical. Yeah. So I'm gonna start this one off with a comedy, in which 1998 movie does an insurance professional discover that his entire life. Being played out on a reality TV show. I hesitate there because like, no. I feel I've said this already. But it is a Truman show, eh? It is. Because as I know a film in the same year with Matthew McConaughey where it's almost Ed T V. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to watch that again. I've never ever seen it. Aye. I never I think I remember, like maybe. I think some, it was on Netflix. Like a, so I just a Sunday night on Channel Four. Yeah. I remember watching part of it because I liked the idea, of the concept. But um, I think we've done this one. Ah, motherfucker! In which movie does a rat named Remy long to become a celebrated French chef? Yeah, right. Unless it goes through the old park as well. When we had this, the TV and nah, that's too close. It's too similar, isn't it? Nah. Here's another one. Who plays Ichabod Crane in the 1999 movie Sleepy Hollow? Oh, not that one. Um, is that Johnny Depp? It is. He's the main character. Aye. I don't think I've ever seen that. Not me either. It's, is it with Winona Ryder in there as well? And um, I'm sure Christopher Walken plays the headless horseman. Ah, ah it's nothing I've ever seen. Uh, in the 1963 movie of the same name... The Pimp Panther is the largest what in the world? 
feline? Diamond. What? It's a diamond. In oh, every film, motherfucker. And every film, it always gets stolen. Mm. A classical. Anthony Hopkins plays the butler of Darlington Hall in which movie? I know, what's the point? Now, if Andy was here, Andy, Andy would probably call me Rain Man for this. I want to see Remains of the Day. The motherfucker is right. Ding. So, aye, that is some total Rain Man shit. Yeah. I mean, that's a film I've never had any, like, inclination to watching it. Yep. I was, I was going to see Howard's End, because I remember he was in that as well. Aye. But I don't... Just that, yeah. So that's three. What? Yeah. Where was... Yeah. Did I get one wrong? in the second one, yeah. Because you said Pimp Panther was a feline. Aye, so that's it. You've you've got to clear three. So we could just leave it at that. I'm yeah. not going to recover now. Yeah. Right, that is it. The film quiz out the road for another week. So... Who wants to go first? Did you went first last time we lost boys. Yeah. So I will uh, let you all know about Godzilla versus Violent. Yeah. Hang as I I'm also you've kinda of been watching the Godzilla films I've past been, year. Yeah. Slowly getting It's amazing into how many films there is. Totally. Was there like fifty other them or something? Oh, I feel it's maybe more in the 30s or mid 30s, but I have I find like a, a wee collection of them yeah. online, like working Still back. Want to from, play that criterion. I know, I, I, I really wish it wasn't the size of like a big coffee table book. I think that's the way it's kind of being pitched as, it's kind of like a big art book. And as you go through the pages, it'll have like a wee Blu ray slip disc. You pop it out, pop it in your player. But I hope when like whatever company like sends it out, I hope it's like properly well. It'll have know. to be well packaged. Yeah. Because the amount of people that I see on like social media and then post it, they get limited editions and stuff, and it's They're all dented. torn and bashed. Somebody put up like a video the other day, like I reckon if it was in like America or something, but he got a steelbook. And I mean, the package had been fucking rammed through his letterbox. And oh. like, the steelbook's all dented and all that. And I'm just like... It's heartbreaking. Especially yeah. when it's something like a collector's yeah. item where you could return it, but you most likely won't get a replacement. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially I, with something that's like out of print that's hard to find. Exactly. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so this one is... Obviously, from 1989, is written and directed by Kazuki uh, Omori. He, there's like these two different waves of Godzilla films. Like straight to DVD. <laughs> there was like straight to telly. Your 60s, where it was like Hensi, and then it kind of stopped in the 70s. Then it came back mid 80s for like a second run. There's another company doing yeah. it now, and this. Director uh, uh, Kazuki, I feel like I'm butchering names. Kazuki Amori, 
had his hand in production of four of the films, kind of around the late 80s, early to mid 90s. He directed two, so he done this one, uh, Godzilla vs. Belanti, and then later directed Godzilla vs. Uh, King Ghidorah from 1991. And also, this is like second stabs because there is like uh, Ghidorah, the three headed monster from like the 70s, yeah. same with like Mothra movies. Uh, so he directed King Ghidra, Violent, uh, went on to write Godzilla vs. Mothra from 1992, and then Godzilla vs. Destroyer from 1995. So. And these are the ones that are like, they're, they're badly dubbed? Well, I think the, the collections I've got were all in Japanese, uh, like with English subtitles uh, through Miramax. It was, uh. But. Yeah, there is some because I think that one I showed you where it was Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla two, mid nineties. That one was dubbed into English yeah. and brought my son to tears, which was <laughs> like, <of> the dubbing. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, why is the quality so bad? Wait until you show him the dubbing is fucking stay on fire. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this film stars. Let's see. Uh, I apologise to our Japanese listening audience if you exist. I'm about to butcher a whole lot of Japanese names. Uh, Kunoho Matamura as Kazuto uh, Karishima uh, Yoshiko Tanaka as Asuka Okuichi Masanobu Takashima as Major Sho Kuroki uh, Megma Okada uh, as Mi- Miki Saguma uh, Koji Takahashi as Dr. Jinchiro Shigarami Mad Jock Betty as Triple S9. Mad Jock Betty. A Middle Eastern actor. Uh. Um, no, that's no something for the broom. Mad Jock Betty. Um, Yasuko Sagawichi as Erika Shigarami. Kenpachiro Satsuma as Godzilla. And Mashami, yeah, Mashami. Some guy was called Satsuma, that played Godzilla. Yep. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And Mashami Tagumi as a Biolante. Mm. So that is our main players. There's fucking about another 20 names, but we didn't need to know them. Yeah. Cut it into the, the main chunk. Now, Michael, I went and watched this film. No, an absolute sweet fuck all about it. I mean, I looked at Letterbox on the year 1989, grabbed a bunch of films I think I'd never seen, part of it, Back to the Future 2, slapped them up there and thought, right, I'll be w- watching Back to the Future 2 then. Because yeah. that's just how it goes. You put up one of the big fucking most popular films in pop culture, that is what I'm going to be watching. Straight away, everyone started voting. And I think it was like nine votes. I feel like five of them was for fucking Godzilla. It's like, Jesus Christ. You think they were doing it it's just to like troll you? I don't, supposedly this film kind of has like a a secret appreciation. Alright. Because it's one of the more random Godzilla movies. But I think it's kind of beloved by say the Godzilla community. Mm. So, uh, but yes, the plot. After rising from his volcanic grave, Godzilla is threatened by a mutated rosebush. What? I know, I should have filmed your reaction there. It's Godzilla versus a mutated rosebush. 
Like, Little Shop of Horrors and Godzilla. It is... There's none of this Feed Me Seymour, is there? No, there's a rose bush with the soul of a dead girl in it and the DNA of Godzilla mixed together in a science lab. Giant plant monster with like a big rose bush head. And Godzilla shows up and is like, what the fuck is this shit? I mean, I've never like fully seen any of the old like 60s style Godzilla films. Yeah. And I used to kind of laugh at when you seen the clips of them like that and like Two days and fighting and all that. Fighting. And I was, when they were doing their drop kicks and they were flying across yes, the screen with high is, wires. I think Godzilla versus Megalon and he is literally just lying down, yeah. flying across the screen, drop kicking. Yeah. Another character. And like I, th- I thought it couldn't get any worse than that. Yeah. And the thing is, I really enjoyed watching it just because of the absolute nonsense. <laughs> um, I always love a good Godzilla score, so they they always hammer it home. These films have always been about the fucking people. You know how people moaned about the 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 American remakes of Godzilla, and it's like, oh, it's all focusing on the people, not enough Godzilla. And it's like this one's for nineteen eighty nine. It's just the same. This fucking scientist. Um, Doctor uh, Shigarami and his daughter. His daughter gets killed by like Middle Eastern terrorists uh, who are trying to steal this valuable data that he has, and it's like an anti-nuclear uh, back like material, which more or less is a thing he's created where it, as if you like pour sand down on something that just absorbs water. It's coming up with like this technology where they could absorb uh, nuclear waste. So he's came up with this, like the the technology to get rid of nuclear waste without harming people and people from the Middle East. These um, this group that they re like christened uh, like a Middle Eastern Afghanistan group and give them like their like a fictional location, Sadaria. Yeah. So there's Sadarian terrorists. If I can kill his daughter in the laboratory. Uh, as she was tending to like a rose bush that she was growing, so she dies holding onto a rose, and they steal these Godzilla cells because after the film starts with Godzilla fucking dying, like gotten battered, falls into the volcano. It's like most films; he gets battered, goes away to charge up, comes back stronger than ever, saves the day. So there's the film starts with like this dramatic chase sequence because they find like it's like Godzilla DNA, but they all keep crying Godzilla cells. So that these fucking Japanese soldiers put in a briefcase. They promptly get shot down by American soldiers. American soldiers run off. Then it's Middle Eastern fucking Terminator in a trench coat. Starts fucking shooting them with a sniper rifle. Hmm. And then he runs off with them. And it just goes around in circles the, throughout the film. There's almost like a an espionage subplot where the Japanese... Scientists and military, these two figures have joined forces to keep the cells from falling into the hands of the, the Sadarian terrorists because they could use that technology to grow wheat in the desert. Mm. Yeah. So it's pretty out there, mm. but 
the scientist, after it's like five years later, after the death of his daughter, he's sitting, and it's it's almost like Jurassic Park where he's splicing cells. He's got Fucking cells. Japanese John Hammond. <laughs> he's got cells like for Godzilla. He's got like the rose petal and DNA from his daughter, puts it together, and eventually kind of grows a plant using this DNA, and then. It eventually fucking takes off and it does it. It ends up in a lake and then the lake is just this giant like beanstalk crew and it's just like a giant fucking rose has grown in the middle of the lake. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you've got another character who is a Japanese girl with the, the ESP which is is that not like the scientific term for telekinesis? Mm. And she could use her mind to talk. As a um, as a budget quite big no no nah, I think it was a uh, five million dollars hmm. well I guess it is kind of big for a monster movie mm. but so I uh, the the Japanese kind of create a, a technology which they use this anti anti-nuclear bacteria because they're going to weaponize it and use it against Godzilla in the future so mm. if he shows up they just fire this that drains the nuclear energy out of him and he fucks off that's their plan but it's just Disney go right, but the whole thing about the Biolante monster that really gives you the Little Shop of Horrors feels is because it's all tentacles and wires. So it's like it just looks like vines shooting everywhere, dragging people around, and it does just look like Seymour for a moment. Yeah, but I mean, the fucking this Sedarian Hitman. Like when they're trying to transport the cells, like the Americans have it in what looks like an ice cream truck, and they're driving this Sedarian hitman shows up out of nowhere, shoots the driver, but when shooting the driver, it somehow manages to flip the truck, but he only like shot the guy in the head, but it's like as if he shot the tires out. Mm. It's, it's one of these things where it's probably going to sound like really crappy how I'm explaining it, and it does. It has its fair amount of cheese. Where like these weird Middle Eastern terrorists, like they've they've created, and it's just this fight for these cells, and then it cuts to like, like the action scenes. It looks like something out of Thunderbirds. Uh. Like they they have this one ship. You know, in Thunderbirds, there's like a a big green oh, the one ship that comes to the island. Yeah, they have something like that, but it comes with uh, it opens at the front and it has like a a crystal. So when Godzilla uses his um, ah fuck, what is 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 atomic breath it kind of reflects it back on some uh, so this is like one of their, their technology and it's, it does it just cuts like little models where it just looks like this green ship goes and then it's just like a, a dude in a suit and standing in a swimming pool swiping it fucking ships yeah. coming out there's there's a charm to it where I, I kind of I've come to accept it now because it's probably yeah. like my fourth I mean, or it's... fifth Godzilla movie mm, I mean it seems like it probably uses like practical it is. Like models and miniatures yeah. and stuff like that, and I mean, like that was what was good about like say the, like, the alien film and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they use like models, miniatures, like puppeteers and stuff. Aye, because I'm pretty sure because in like, the last two, but actually, I've not seen a uh, King of the Monsters mm-hmm. or God of the Monsters, whatever it was. Aye, is. King of the Monsters, and I've not seen <clears throat> the 1981. And ages, but they're all pretty much CGI, yeah. Aye, very much. Because mm. uh, I was, I was like cutting edge back then. I'll always yeah. remember that. 
image uh, seeing the trailer for the the nineteen ninety eight Godzilla. Oh, when it comes at the water with the guy uh, fishing. fishing. Yeah. yeah, I just remember going to see Mouse Hunt. I think it was or Mouse Trap. Mouse, mouse, mouse hunt. hunt with Nathan Lane and yeah, that. I remember going to the pictures to see that, and they put the Godzilla trailer in front of it, and it just fucking blew my mind. Cause yeah. It was like the best film ever. It's a scene where is it Hank Azaria's a like cameraman. Yeah, and he like the, the foot goes over him. Aye, uh, it does. Yeah. It, 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 at the time, it fucking blew your socks off. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know, but I, I just I wasn't a a big fan of the twenty fourteen one. I, kind of, I, 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 for what I remember, I enjoyed it, but yeah, mm. it, it did definitely get like a, a mixed reaction, yeah. like a real 50 50 audience. And I've still not seen King of the Monsters yet, Aye. but as you say, it's just like just nothing but fucking yeah, fights, like big, exactly. massive like monsters fighting. Fight, it's it a fucking easy watch, and my kid loves it, so it was like it was one of these things where I could not hate it when watching it. Yeah. And to see how fucking excited my five-year-old got, like, fucking tell me the names of all the monsters, and and just, he was fucking blown away. We were watching it, and said, well, that's that's what it should be for, like, fans of it. It should just fucking blow yeah. their minds. Seeing fucking Godzilla and Mothra, Rodan, King Ghadira, and just having this big battle royal. And to the point where technology is getting so good, the CGI doesn't look crappy, like, it just looks better and better, and so yeah. why not throw in all these monsters from the fucking sixties, seventies, and eighties, and make them look ultra realistic, and then have them fucking fight? Mm. So, um, but Godzilla shows up in this film like forty minutes in. Yeah. He eventually kind of like this is him recharging his batteries. Yeah, and since this uh, Biolanti monster has been created using his DNA, it kind of sends like a signal to him like. How like a Abmala hears its cubs and things like that. They're like this this parental connection, where they they don't say it. It's not the, the the son of Godzilla. It's not like a brother. It is another Godzilla that they've created. So there's just this natural attraction to Godzilla to go see what it is. Yeah. And the first fight that they have, it comes across as if it's like the fucking Kraken, like where it's in the one. It's just all these tentacles shooting out of the sea, wrapping around them. And Godzilla more or less just uses his atomic breath and just destroys it yeah. like it's strange it's just like beats it dead easy and now it's just pissed off and it's going to Tokyo and the Japanese are coming up with all these different technologies they use their uh, anti-nuclear bacteria they put into like more like uh, rocket launchers and fire missiles into them that drill into his fucking skin and then kind of inject some with the 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 fucking bacteria and there's this great shot where there's uh, like this cocky soldier who fires him. Godzilla does his atomic breath and then just looks at the guy and the guy laughs it off going, ha, like something, something throwaway line, like stick to smoking and he walks away and it's like Godzilla gets really close to the building as if he hears it, looks in, the guy turns around and Godzilla just fucking punches that floor of the building <laughs> and <laughs> destroys it. It's like, just punches the guy for being a dick. <laughs> They come up with another technology where they think, like, ah, uh, thunder clouds technology, where if they put these plates down on the earth, that they could control the temperature of weather and kind of yeah. cause a storm and then use that to like, go against like, how Godzilla kind of lives off heat. So they come up with thunder clouds 
and use this technology to fucking strike them with thunder. It's like they've thrown all the fucking ideas at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. And to be honest, I fucking forgot about it until they use it at the very end of the movie when this Sedarian hitman shows up once more and kills the fucking head scientist. Because they've always got that stoic men, like stoic message where you've got Godzilla and Biolandi have had like the big final fight and the scientist is like, they're not the monsters. We're the monsters. We've created this. We've let this happen. And it's like, I need to destroy all my work to stop this from ever happening again. And then there's a wee hitman on hell just shoots him in the fucking chest, gets his briefcase, and then these James Bond-style characters fucking wrestle him down. He ends up standing on one of the thunderclouds, uh, plates that they left on the earth and it just cuts to like a guy in office like a battleship you just see there's a light on he presses it Thunderbolt comes in and just obliterates the fucking hitman <sighs> I'm like what so fucking random but they just go boop and he vanishes <laughs> it's not like he blows up into like a bag of bones and blood just boop gone I mean the plot does seem very wacky I wonder like the studio that was obviously behind it I wonder what like, what sold them on that idea? Yeah. Because that was it. It must just be uh, Kazuki's... Like, the fact that he'd written four of these, obviously he had some faith in the franchise, or the studios had some faith in him with the franchise. Because I've always known, like, Godzilla vs. Destroyer as, like, one of those more memorable titles. And I do remember hearing people being kind of sympathetic towards Biolante because I think it's out there. But it's interesting in the sense that it's a mutated plant he's fighting rather than other monsters from other planets or other monsters from the Earth. This time they've accidentally created a monster uh, through nuke- like through fucking biotechnology. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the humans fucking up this time and Godzilla has to show up and destroy it because the evolution of Biolante is actually pretty cool. It's almost as if it's like a, like a large alligator head and then it's all just vines and tentacles and all its vines are like fly traps so it's all got mm. more mouths and it, I think I read into like the trivia and it has it took like 32 people to, opier, to operate the Biolante suit because mm. there's individual strings so I guess they're like puppeteers really so the amount of fucking people it took to operate the monster it must be like an art has yeah. to be like an art, like for, like seeing all the stuff on Netflix now for like that Dark Crystal, like for Fox still puppeteer and things like that. It is a fucking art form. Yeah, but you would need to be convincing. Like, you would also have to be in sync with everybody. Exactly, and the fucking fight get like they always occasionally get really gruesome with these fights because Biolante starts more or less crucifying Godzilla. It's, it fires tentacles at him and it tears through his hands, tears through his shoulders, and it starts vomiting like green on it where they kind of just like toxic waste or this is his blood because Godzilla still uses his atomic breath they fucking just cut the vines down and they're just like this overloading the green goo they just start throwing over each other and you're just like ah oh, Jesus Christ they like to fucking make a mess mm. but uh, as Godzilla he more or less he's doing this fight he's obviously been a- affected by the missiles that were shot to him with the the anti-nuclear bacteria. So he eventually just fucking face plants on a beach after he's kind of defeated by Lante because 
it just turns into spores and evaporates. And in amongst the spores is just like this still image of the daughter of the scientist that died that just floats off to heaven. Kind of like how Poochie gets killed in The Simpsons and it just looks uh, like a single frame yeah. gets dragged off. <laughs> they will kind of do that for her. Just floats away and Godzilla just falls over. Because this is, they're saying it's like the missiles have kicked in, the bacteria, he's ran out of nuclear power. So it just collapses on a beach, lands face down in the water and they're all cheering. And it kind of gets back up because it's like the fall in the water has cooled him down and he's kind of woke up and he just fucks off back into the water. It's like, I've had enough of this shit. I've killed a big plant. You are shooting at me. I'm out of here. And at the end of credits it's just him wading into the water. Just high overhead like a helicopter shot of him just wading into the sea. <sighs> going, fuck yous. I'm out of here. But on my notes here, there is one very strange part, a piece of product placement as he's destroying buildings in Tokyo. It's like, this building, that building. And there's a building with a giant billboard for Mitsubishi on it, and he walks past it. Doesn't bother destroying that one. And knocks on the next one instead. <laughs> I'd have to check to see if all cunt was driving Mitsubishi fucking Jeeps in that film or not. Yeah. But, it was a laugh. I do enjoy these films, because they're just fucking cheesy, melodramatic, and then it's dudes in big suits knocking lumps at each other. Yeah. So, I'm kind of glad I got to watch it for this. Yeah. The um, this Criterion Collection, this doesn't has this doesn't have that. On. No, I think this Criterion like Collection old... is like the first wave of. It was either fifty four or sixty four it started, and then it's up to the late seventies. So yeah. I think it's kind of the first eight movies. So it is like Mothra, King Ghidra, a uh, astral monster from another planet. So there is. Mm. It'll be interesting to to watch. I did really appeal to me but the fact that it's more of like a coffee table book than a, a blu-ray box set yeah it's a wee bit i guess it explains the 150 pound price tag yeah but yeah so yes that was my adventures with godzilla yeah now it's yours is with... it um <clears throat> is it one that you would show cameron totally aye like when I was watching it the other night and it was starting and it's like dun 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 I actually expect him come running through going what are you watching is it Godzilla can I watch because anytime he hears that fucking music he literally head will snap around are you watching Godzilla and just fucking want to watch it with you so I'm, I was uh, when I was also a kid I wasn't I was never I wasn't available Godzilla because you hear it like folk that are older than us, the Americans especially, always talk about watching monster movies on like Saturday morning television. Like that, that was just never available to us as kids. Mm. I never remember seeing like Walker's videos. There was never I think yeah. kind of things like that were released over here. Yeah. Because the film never had like a UK cinema release, which isn't no. surprising. Yeah. Um, but I think there must have been more of a market in America than in the UK. Mm. So, but the fact that, because there's not even, like, a proper way you could watch this movie now. Like, no. there, there's American box sets, mm. um, but it's not streaming anywhere. So, and it's so strange, it's always one of those things, that like, why is it not readily available? And then we all thought our, our kind of prayers were answered when Criterion were releasing, like, their box set. Yeah. But it's kind of just a chip of it, it's not, not the lot. But then I guess... Like anything, the probably the rights to these movies lie with several different companies. Mm. So, 
But uh, budget and box office, it was a $5 million movie and it made a $7 million box office. So yeah. made it made its money back. A wee bit extra on top. But um, yeah, it was partly based off of like a, a, a story of the director like close to home that his daughter died and then it was just a, like a story that he'd come up with like the ability to bring her back, but the experiment to go wrong and create like a big mutated rosebush. Yeah. I would love to have seen like that pitch meeting. Is it like, okay, right? It's Godzilla mm-hmm. versus a mutated rosebush. And they'd be like, I wonder how many people walked what? out of the room. Gone. No, no, nah, we're not. He's fighting fucking mutated plants. No. And the thing is, I think the idea was shot down, but then after seeing the little shop of horrors they realised it was possible to do something, I guess, like that, complicated with yeah. practical effects. And suppose that that was what kind of later greenlit the movie because they kind of got to see it already. Yeah. So, yep. What about you, man? Indiana Jones and... Yeah. I, I keep wanting to say Raiders, <clears throat> but it's not. Nah. Uh, so, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade... Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. I always forget that he directed like all of them. Aye. I always remember him doing the first one, but I can never remember him doing like two and three. Uh, it stars Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, Sean Connery as Professor Henry Jones, mm-hmm. Denholm Elliott as Marcus Brody, Alison Doody as Elsa, John Rhys Davies as Salah. Julian Glover as Walter Donovan and River Phoenix as a young Indiana Jones. Ah, yes. I always remember that. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I watched them out of order as a child. I don't... I can't remember yeah. what, order, what order I had them given to me, but I always just assumed that uh, The Last Crusade was the first instalment just because it starts with a young Indiana Jones. Yeah. I, I'm pretty positive when I watched them I'm pretty sure the first one I ever seen was Temple of Doom. Yeah, I kind yeah. of, I kind of have a soft spot for Temple of Doom. I always like the James Bond style opening where he's in Hong Kong, yeah, fighting guys, and then it kind of cuts to him going off into yeah. the jungle. So I'd imagine you've seen this film before. Yeah, um, I've not seen the Indiana Jones films, and quite a lot. I could probably say that I've not seen this one in well over 10 years anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the plot surrounding this one is Indiana Jones is tasked with uh, trying to track down his father who's went missing during his attempt at finding the Holy Grail. Aye. It's, it's, when you hear the plots, they're, they're ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this one. Because I'm trying to think, Temple of Doom's a prequel, slightly. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Temple of Doom's a prequel, and I think it then goes Raiders. Temple of Doom, then Raiders, and then um, Last Crusade. Then, of course, the one that shall not be named, the <laughs> one that is in my box set, and I've. I've only ever watched it once, and that's when it come out. I I remember going to a fucking packed cinema 
And I almost didn't even get to fucking sit next to my wife because I was that fucking busy. Fucking fridges. <laughs> Lead line fridges. I mean, aren't, aren't they talking about doing another one? I feel like it's yeah, close to happening. Yeah. And I mean, Harrison Ford, what, 70-something? I know, like, he was fucking old, old and old in Force Awakens. That yeah. That's a, like, fucking four years ago, three years ago now. Yeah. So, he's got to be getting bad as Rambo at this stage. We're just getting old and his face is turning to putty. Aye. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, um, so, how does the film hold up to you? Um, for you? I still, I, I had quite a good time watching it the other night. Um, I think I like Temple Doom most of the most. Then I think it's probably this one. And then Raiders is the one that I've seen the least. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people say that like Raiders is like the quintessential like, summer like adventure film and ah, stuff. Oh. And I probably will get around to watching one and two. At some point, aye, just to kind of remind myself, yeah, about them. Totally, that's I showed them to uh, Cameron a few years ago when he was too young to really like pay attention to what was being on. Yeah, but I suppose cause it was fun to sit down and watch like the four of them. So uh, I always remember the scene in the first one with the face melting. Oh, ah, yeah, like that. Aye. Even even fucking Temple of Doom have got some. Like startling, like scary images. Like, like with the, the hearts out the chests. Yeah. Aye, the alligators tearing the bodies up at the end. Yeah. The quite, monkeys' quite a, brains. Quite a very borderline, like PG rated film and stuff. Exactly. And it's, it's one of these ones where it'll be great to see your kids' reaction, like going, oh no, it's a, they're, yeah. they're eating monkey brains. Or when they have to reach the hand in to get the lever and it's all fucking insects and creepy crawlies. It's just all these things that make you go, eh. As a fucking kid. Yeah. So I kind of look forward to introducing him to them and him actually fucking understanding what's on screen this time. Yeah. So I've, I haven't seen the fucking uh, Last Crusade in a fucking age. So mm. I remember it coming across as it's strange. For a period, I forgot that these films were really funny. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a humour, like, not a dark humour to it, but. Every time Sean Connery shows up. Yeah, like the, uh, the, the chemistry between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in it is Aye. like really well. Like obviously you've got Sean Connery with his thick Scottish accent. And uh, and like the way that he just like when you first see him, like when you closer you get like the opening scene where it's young Indiana Jones and that and he's like looking for like an artifact that's it belongs in like a museum. That's where you kind of get like, the origin of him and like Aye, what morals, turns what him he in, stands for. Like, what turns him into being like an archaeologist and like a a raider, if you will. Aye, and um, like obviously he runs like after all he's running and stuff. He runs home and like you just see like you you don't actually see like Sean Connery's on his face, but you hear him like muttering and stuff. But then it's when they actually come face to face later on in the film. Like the first thing that he does is like he'll call a uh, Harrison Ford Junior, mm-hmm. and like that's like the running joke like throughout the film where he's like, he's like, "Don't call me that." Aye. 
And like that's literally. I'm pretty sure you can have like a like a super cut of Junior, 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 Junior. Yeah. Aye. But like obviously going back to the the opening thing, it's like it's like I can't remember what the decade it is, but obviously it's and then it starts with like a a freight train. Like you kind of obviously when you first watch it, you would obviously not know that it's like a flashback sort of thing. And it's a, a guy that's got this artifact and it's like almost like they're like thieves. Yeah. And they're on this like, like multi-story like cargo train. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden like a young River Phoenix with like his necktie and it's, it's like almost like he's a, an outfit that he's wearing like, it's like the Boy Scouts. Aye. Because um, they're all together and he kind of strays away from the group. Yeah. Because they're trying to find this artifact and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he decides to take it himself to then put it back into the museum and there's this like really well put together like it's like um ensemble like with her on the train and stuff and he's like getting the better of the other guys and you get like you get to delve into like his fear of snakes yeah like he falls into like a pit with like snakes and they're like they're fucking everywhere aye and at first I thought I recognised the guy that like plays like the head like henchman and mm-hmm. um, when I looked him up on uh, IMDB like the character's name was like Fedora because he wore a Fedora hat Aye. which is ultimately what he gives Indiana Jones that hat when he's younger because when he gets back to the town with his artifact he gives it to the guy who's going to be putting it in the museum but then Aye. he actually brings in the guys that were on the train right. and gives it to them Aye. So it's almost like it's been double crossed, mm-hmm. and then right away it cuts to like a scene where they're on a boat in like nineteen thirty seven or something, and it's just and then Jones get punched about, and it happens to be the same guy that he gave the artifact to, and it says that same artifact. It's like a it's like a cross kind of thing. Ah, oh, yeah, I remember he, it. He like oh he, he finishes it by saying like like that belongs in like a museum and stuff. Aye. I've never fucking forgot about it. Yeah. And I mean, like this, like, one that gets about this film as well is like, like the cinematography and the locations are using it are like really well. Oh, like yeah. it's almost got like a western kind of feel to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right at the start. Um, but obviously it's, so the main premise is obviously this uh, art, like dealer guy, um, Oh, what's his character's name again? Uh, Donovan. He coaxes Indiana Jones into helping him retrieve the um, Holy Grail, mm-hmm. which is obviously like the like the biggest thing you can probably find. But the only way you can get to it is by like getting hold of a map, and then he obviously gets uh, entangled up with Nazis again because obviously Nazis were like, the predominantly like, the predominant bad guys in the first one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he end up finding that his dad's missing because he's also like hunting for the uh, Holy Grail cell. Aye. But it goes back to when he's doing that flashback. He's like writing notes in his wee diary. About ah, it, so it's oh, because like, he's constantly referring to his dad's book, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, like also the notes are like there's certain words he uses in his diary mm-hmm. that's like 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 almost like a path. 
Aye. Sort of thing for him to like find them or like can like like leaving like wee like crumbs, if you will. Yeah. For him to find this uh, this uh, map for the Holy Grail. And I mean, like like you're saying, like the humour the humour is pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when he goes back to see his old pal Brody. Right. I can't remember much of Brody being in the second one, but I do remember him being in the first one. Mm-hmm. And obviously then Homele was obviously one of the rich brothers from Trading Places. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember what was their names again. I don't know. Is it Murdoch and oh, I can't remember. Wallace or something? Because I, I, I always remember them showing up and coming to America with them, like, the fucking... playing homeless bums. Exactly. <laughs> Sharing the same box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I like, obviously, he's He's away, like obviously finding his dad, and mm-hmm. he's leaving his notes for him as well. And he's like the way he's walking about, like like I think it's like Jordan they're in, right? Um, and it's like you see him, and he's got like all his like entourage, like butlers, whole like carrying all his cases and stuff through, like Jordan and all that. And like the way he goes about his mannerisms is quite well put together. Um, what was the run time to this? I feel. Why it being like uh, a Spielberg? Just over, two? over, just over two hours. Yeah, and I mean, like you didn't get your first on-screen glimpse of Sean Connery till about maybe forty-five minutes in. Right. I it was uh, that's it. Yeah, I think it comes to expect it with Steven Spielberg, and there there always a yeah, lengthy like, story. Um, but I think because like George Lucas has kind of got like a wee producers. Like role in these films as well, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's because that was when I was reading the trivia notes for the night. One of the trivia notes was about Spielberg, like saying like why he made this film and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure George Lucas has. Oh, like he's a, uh, got credits for the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see myself actually. Based, well, that's it. Basically, yeah, he wrote it. Yeah, I. George Lucas and. Some other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like I think like all the Harrison Ford roles. Like obviously you've got this. You've got um, Han Solo. Ah. Uh, the role he played in um, the Fugitive, and I, I think Indiana Jones is probably my like favorite one because mm-hmm. I think I watched. I think I watched Indiana Jones at an earlier stage, and what I just I think I was maybe about ten. Aye. Yeah, it must have been about 10 when I first seen started, because that's when they brought it back to cinema for like the 20th anniversary. And I think that's when the gold I... box set? Yeah. Aye. Uh, the gold uh, Darth Vader box set. Mm. And it was like the extended, well, the special edition. Yeah. Which also doesn't have <laughs> digitalised Anakin Skywalker. Oh, and yes. And the fucking Jedi. Aye. Uh, and the unnecessary sounds. Off like there's the Ewoks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, there is obviously like the the whole concept with the like the Holy Grail story is obviously the only person that can get the Holy Grail has got to have like the purest of hearts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is what when he's talking to his dad, uh, Henry's like. Leading him on with all these wee, like tidbits and stuff, 
and he's as I seen later on when they're getting confronted with they get a uh, double crossed with the uh, Germans and Donovan obviously he, oh. he ends up being the like the, the bad guy if you will mm-hmm. um then there's a a really well shot uh, scene involving uh, Indiana Jones in a tank. Right. Oh, and it's where I he's, think like, I've he's wrestling like a German like colonel or something on top of a tank. Yes. And <laughs> I can't remember how how it actually goes together, but a car ends up or a truck ends up flipping like forward onto the tank. Right. And obviously, um, who's it? It's in the tank. It's um. Brody, Henry, and uh, their other accomplice, um, Savile. Savile, no, Salah. Aye. Um, and they're in also this tank while Indiana Jones is on top of the tank wrestling with the German guy. And once they get off the tank, they're on the wee tandem bike. Right. And there's a scene where they're getting chased through like the woods. I think it's the woods. And I can't remember what he does, but he... Um, and then it just does something to like the bike, right? The opposite bike or something or the car, and it causes the car to like explode. And he's ah. he's absolutely fucking like ecstatic with himself. He's like <laughs> grinning. And I always remember the starts that sequence where is it not like they're looking for him and they come flying out in the wee dual bike out yeah. like a box or whereas like they're looking one way and they fucking fire out the opposite direction to get Aye. away from them. And it's like and the music kicks in and yeah, um, he's looking absolutely fucking. Pleased as punch the fact that he's managed to like do this thing that's caused his car or, or something to like flip over and like his dad's just kind of looking at him like shaking his head. Aye. And also they're trying to also get away to find like the Holy Grail and he's like, he's like, but we need to go to Berlin. He's like, he's like, no, he's like, we've got pretty much the entire like German army after us and you want us to go to Berlin. He's like, <laughs> he's like, but my diary's in Berlin. And obviously his diary's got mm-hmm. like literally the map for the Holy Grail. And also you talk about the scene where burst it thing like the, the score, like this iconic score. Exactly. Uh, John Williams. Um like I'm sure I brought it up the other week when you were talking about Back to the Future. Aye. And it was like like what like what one do you prefer? I know, it's it's, <clears throat> it's it's an impossible question to answer. Yeah. But it is, again, another iconic fucking score. Yeah. Where, like, that it is, it's probably, like, in the top five most fucking significant scores of all time. Yeah. But, because that's it, whenever that music kicks in, it's just like the film's at its fucking peak. Like, it's full on adventure, there's fucking scrapping going on, he's got his whip out, and there's this, that, there's fucking explosions, fist fights. That score, and he's about to get away for some other fucking hijinks. It's, yeah. It can't get any better than that when you're watching when, um, Indiana Jones When film. we were at uh, Disneyland last year, there's a, an Indiana Jones show where it's a, like that show, like stunt coordinator for like the film and stuff. Right. Um, reenacts key scenes from the film. All right. And it's the, I'm trying to think what scenes they reenact. The reenact the scene where he's um, going up against the total big guy with a knife and the, like the sword, and he's like, oh, yeah. he just whips at the gun and shoots him. Exactly. Now, obviously, like Michelle has, has never seen any of these films, 
So all of a sudden, I, I know it's coming. Aye. And as soon as the gun goes off, like, she actually fucking shits herself. <laughs> and then it shows you, um, like, so basically what they say, like, they're reenacting all this stuff, and it's, they're showing you how it was actually made, like, on the set. And it's amazing, like, something like how they managed to turn these sets around and stuff. Aye. Because they're, like, big, massive, like, I reckon if a plastic or rubber or whatever, because mm-hmm. it's like, because like the scenes where he's in like the caves and stuff, and it's like they're on like the weird rotator, mm-hmm. like plates on the ground and that, and they get turned around, and it's like the scene involving where he's hiding, like he's weaving in and out the like the planes, like propellers and stuff. Aye. And it's really well done, and like obviously like, like the score's playing, and I'm just sitting there absolutely fucking giddy. Aye. Like watching this. Um, now, I'm trying to. I, I, I can only remember small fragments of this film, but isn't there a sequence where I think it is when they're in Berlin and they're they're tied to a chair and there's a revolving uh, fireplace? Yeah. And like one side there's fire, and then the other side, aye, uh, that's uh, yeah. a faint memory I have of the aye, film. It ends up the also the two of them are tied to the chair. It's when they get double crossed with uh, Donovan and. Yeah, the last of Elsa who ends up like charming away in way like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember how the fire starts. I think it's something stupid, and it's like they're obviously like trying to like get themselves out, and they end up actually like, hitting this button, and it's like obviously the revolving fireplace. Aye, and the the revolving fireplace turns it into like also like, the base, like the German base, mm-hmm. and they're like sitting strapped to the chair. And then also the German guys like turn around and look, and they're like quickly try to like hit the <laughs> the swing back around. Yeah, yeah. But also like, like the action scenes are like pretty well done. Um, what I quite liked about this one as well was like the actual when they get to the cave for like the Holy Grail and the whole test. Yes, I that because sequence the um, walk like a path. Well, yeah, like it's, a, it's just filled with like booby traps and stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, um, he's like he's reading the the stuff out and all that, and he has to like duck and weave and all that, and it's like you know, like the whole like trying to think how we trying to think how we like pronounce this, but it's like mm. like the old school medieval traps and stuff. Yeah, like the circular saws and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's when he's doing the whole stepping stone thing. And it's got to like spell out, is it like Jehovah or something? Right. And then it's, I think the third and final test is like the, I can't remember what what the actual test was, but it's like the test of like belief or something. Right. And it's like where he has to like take a step into like basically, if he doesn't believe, he's going to basically fall his death. Exactly. And the way the camera turns. Ah, it's like an illusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also that takes him into the cave where the. The uh, the knight has been tasked with guarding the Holy Grail for like so many thousand years. Aye. And obviously, because he's been guarding it, he's been granted like immortality, but only because he's in this Aye. cave. I could say they gave me the choice of guarding the crystal skull or the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I would rather choose the Grail anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, oh, and that's it, he has to pick up the grail but it's like all these treasures yeah it's like all these fucking 
distractions and what the actual grail yeah. really is. Yeah. Am I right in saying it? it's it's just like a like a wooden chalice? Yeah, like a, a really fucking dirt ridden looking exactly like a chalice almost. Eh? Yeah. But it's when Donovan and Elsa's there and like Elsa he goes for the most like fucking extravagant looking thing about and like yeah. he has to take a drink of the water mm-hmm. and he's obviously like feeling a bit weird and then he gets the whole like he turns into like a skeleton sort of thing. Right. And it is all it is digital effects on this one, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure if I was a kid and I kind of seen that, I probably would have spooked you. Freaked out. I mean, I mean, not as much as the first one with the melting faces and stuff. Aye. But I reckon it was still kind of freaked me out. And it's like the like the the night has passed. Is like it's like you chose not wisely. <laughs> and then obviously when Indiana Jones tests it. And he takes a drink and stuff, and he feels fine. He obviously runs back because obviously before, because <clears throat> I've got to say, like when they were at the cave, they get double crossed again, and Henry gets shot, mm. and obviously he's bleeding to death. Aye. So then they use the Holy Grail as almost it's like holy water or something. It kind of like it just yeah. makes the the gun the gunshot wound basically disappear. Ah. And obviously, like you can't take the grail out outside the like, like a certain part of the cave. Otherwise, it will just implode, sort of thing. No, oh, right. But obviously, greed gets the better at Elsa, and she she wants the grail, obviously. Yeah. And it just causes like the whole classic like caves falling like for rocks eye. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously it cuts out, and. I'm trying to think how it ended again because they get out of the cave and I think that's pretty much it they then just like they're just like riding on horses away aye and you get the score and that's really it and mm-hmm. then I still I still don't understand like why they wanted to make a fourth one because <laughs> I mean if anything they could have just made a, a full on prequel yeah like, aye Showing you young and then Jones and can even if they had it, it was like even if they done it, it was way fucking what's his name like Shia LaBeouf yeah and that but Kingdom was just ugh. aye it, it, was, it was a good stab at it but it was the fridges it was the whole fuck up with the alien at the end it was just it was lazy in a way yeah well it looked like like symbolising the hat and they're handing it over to Shia LaBeouf yeah. I mean, you could just feel an audience cringe. But then he then takes it back. Quickly, aye. It's like they knew what they were doing. I mean, I, I like the fact audience. that you got um, the brought back um, the love interest from. Oh, Karen the, Allen, eh? Yeah, because she, yeah. she was the mum, obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, from. The first movie. Yeah. Aye. But uh, I don't know if I, if I want a fifth one. I know. Do you think. Is there any other franchise that comes close to this on like high adventure? I I wanted to say the Mummy, but that's only really the first movie. I mean, the second one was all right. Never seen and, it. I never seen the third one with Jet Li, but I've never seen I've that. I've seen one. that, but yeah, you never seen the second one with never. The Rock in it and all that. Not no, uh, even quite, Scorpion King. I quite like the second one, um, but I think for this like. 
type of like because it's all like in like caves and mm-hmm. like looking for like treasure so it's, it's kind of like, like the Goonies a wee bit yeah I can see that because now it wasn't the like Romance in the Stone supposed to be like a, a knock off Indiana Jones oh, such a good fucking film though aye um, um, but no like I, I do hear a lot of like fun times with Indiana Jones yeah because obviously they're like a part of your childhood mhm like even the, the the video games I brought for Lego were pretty well oh done. yeah aye, you were able to reenact all the key moments yeah. of the franchise but I, I quite quite enjoyed it for what it was um, what else have I got here? Uh, and, that's, and that's actually pretty much it. Alright, go, go for a, go for the BBT. Yeah, um, so the budget for this one was actually a pretty hefty £48 million. Christ, you could have got eight Godzilla films for that. Nine. <laughs> yeah. You reckon I made his money back? Oh, come on, of course. So, domestic figures for this was $197 million. Fucking hell, okay. And the foreign market was 277 So, it made, like, $460 million worldwide. So, it made almost ten times its budget. Aye. Fucking hell, that is a, a fucking chunk I wonder, wonder, like, I, I, I wonder if Back to the Future Part 2 made as much as that. Hmm. I somehow don't think it did. Aye. As much as I absolutely adore Part 2, I don't. I'm curious now. Back to the Future Part 2. Box Office. Three hundred and thirty-two million. Mm. Just a hundred million shy. Uh, what was the budget? I uh, forty. Mm. So, but uh, two trigger points for this one I've got is bacon soda was used to create the bullet wound on Henry, and they used vinegar when he was pouring it from the Holy Grail. Uh, and it gave like some sort of like foam effect. Yeah. And it was obviously the baking soda reacting to the vinegar. Aye. So that's what they used with that. Um, a scene where they're in Berlin and it's like just a big pile of like it's almost like a book burning thing. Right. And it's like so the Germans are throwing the books into the fire and stuff. They're mm-hmm. all wearing like like army uniforms or like the swastika and that. Um, the uniforms actually belonged to soldiers in the World War. Christ. And they actually like, still had them. <laughs> <laughs> Not done by half measures. I always forget that like, obviously it's filmed, like, set just before like World War Two and stuff. Yeah. And it's like like the whole like Nazis and like there, there is a Hitler in the in the film. Right. Um and like like swastikas are like quite predominant and all that. Whereas like nowadays that, that's quite a interesting subject to kind of mm-hmm. 
like take on and like with yeah. the whole I think when they released the no the college again for last year, but the World War Two one. Right. And it was all to do with the Nazis and stuff, but they never referred to them as Nazis. Right. And I think they even slightly changed like the swastika symbol to something different. Yeah. To avoid like folk upsetting yeah. audiences. And then I mean, then you have that film we're getting next year, Jojo Rabbit, where they're just straight up oh taking the piss God. out of That's the Nazis. So fucking good. Yeah. It does. I remember I was actually showed the trailer to someone at my work today, and someone piped in and said, "Oh, is that is that like the Happy Hitler movie?" <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. It's like end of the year it comes out. Eh? Yeah, it's, it's fucking January, I think. But ah, oh, it just looks a riot. It's just seen Stephen Merchant going Heil Hitler. This is, and he does like he always looks great in films. Stephen Merchant, like where if it's in Logan, mm. and he's just this tall, rake thin, ill-looking man. And then for Jojo Rabbit to have him clad in black. Yeah. Aye. Ah, uh, it's, looking, it's looking good, like... I mean, the fact that, uh, like, Taika Waititi as well, it's just... Like, Hunt for the World of People was pretty well done. Like, the scene where he's... Like... Not oh, the crazy priest? No, the scene where, um... They make it like Sam Neill's like a pedo. Oh, Yeah. Aye, uh, and just the way the fucking conversation goes. Yeah, uh, and it's the fucking oh, the woman that's tasked with tracking them down, like aye, ah, this is like a Terminator, and there's like they'll keep Terminator. referencing fucking there's, Sarah Connor. There's Terminator music playing in the background at one point as well. Aye. I think I don't know, like it's oh, you're like Sarah Connor. And it's like for the second one, not for the first one. What when she's all buff? Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the fucking dialogue's brilliant in that film. <sighs> I've only watched it once and I've I really need to get a fucking set of watch. Ah, yeah. It's like one of these films where I need to make that like a podcast for the end of the year or something. Just I need to get an excuse to sit down, watch it and talk about it at yeah. length. I mean what we do in the shadows was pretty funny. It was, ah, it was quite self aware sort of thing. It was almost like it was almost like a satire. Totally. And it just the fact that all these vampires are flatmates and yet they can't stay in the dishes. <laughs> and they're getting really annoyed about it. It's just it's when they're like out and about in public. Aye, and it's it's generations. Yeah. Like where they've got like the the newest guy turned and he's going to be I'm Twilight. I'm Twilight. <laughs> it's like stop telling fuck you're Twilight. You're supposed to keep it fucking quiet. Aye, they're fucking fun films. But um, I think is this us? Have we gotten to the end of it? Have we? Concluded 1989. Yeah. Thus finishing the summer season. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a long summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next time on the Films and Swear movie podcast, it is Halloween horror season. That does mean the wonky Vincent Price impressions return. Uh. Yes. The annual treat for Mike as I go, Welcome. I sound more ill every episode. And we might use The Simpsons Treehouse of Terror music again. Uh, yeah. Although, I'm pretty sure that's copyrighted. But we'll see. We'll find some spooky music. And we'll just fucking get our teeth into the Halloween films. Yeah. So. 
If you want to follow us on social media, you can just look up FAS Podcast and work for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah, that's it. You'll kind of covers everything. Facebook continually bothers me, saying, tell me to be more active with our page. I've seen that the other day, actually. I kind of just flip the V, but then occasionally have a wee rant and just tell you a short story on Facebook. So, right, we're fine. Here's a bunch of information. Are you happy, Zuckerberg? Are you happy? Leave me alone. There's 200 people. You only show it to seven. What the fuck are you bothered about? No, I'm not giving you any more money. Enjoy your billions, you prick. Aye. So, uh, any last words, Mike? Yeah, no, really. I'm trying to think. For the films we've covered in our 80s season this year, if there's been any standout surprises. Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm just thinking and just remembering how much I enjoy Midnight Run. Yeah, Midnight Run was... I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a surprise because, like, like we've... Yeah. Like, we talk about how much... Ah, it, it, it holds up at Disney. It, it stands well so on the repeated Fog for 1980. Aye. 1981 was... I don't know, you think... It's all... Like, even 10 episodes ago. Yeah. I'll just have to hop on to filmsandswearing.com and find out. I'm not clicking on the Amazon link because I need to know what... Yeah. Let's see. Alright, so work our way back. Lost Boys, Inner Space, Aliens. Obviously, Midnight Run at the time of recording. It hasn't been published yet. Back to the Future, Fright Night, Rocky Four Audio Commentary, June. Oh, June. Risky Business in the Twilight Zone, Conan the Barbarian, and Cannibal Running the Howling. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think my least favorite was probably June. Yeah, that was a, that was like, a test. It was it was a bit of a troubled watch. Aye, I'm glad to have seen it, but I would not be revisiting it anytime yeah. soon. And like I said, I'll be interested to see what Denis Deleuze does with it next year. Yeah, but I think actually my most surprising one that I quite enjoyed was. Maybe the Twilight Zone because like that was like a first watch. Aye. And like there was eight other stories. I think there was only one that I properly didn't like, and that was the the, the old the old people. Yeah, the old people one. But like the that was a Spielberg one, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. like the the one in the plane with John Lithgow was fucking outstanding. Ah, yeah. Aye. It was just so well done. Yeah, what was it? Terror at something so many thousand feet. Yeah. Aye. Alright, well, I think on that sleepy note, time to wrap this one up. Mm. I've been your host for this evening. Name's Shirt Dylan. Join me across the room, Magic Mike Christie. Yep. Fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>